Well, if you want to stay in love for a lifetime, you might want to listen to Jeff, but keep those candles burning, okay? All right, just keep those candles going. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, We are so glad that you are here. We are concluding our four-part series called Staying in Love. And um, if you've been with us, we've been learning some great principles each week and principles that can apply to anyone. So whether you are single or whether you are married or basically if you have a pulse, because that's all you need to be in love is a pulse, uh, then this has been a great series for you and there's been great principles to pick up each week. And uh, if you weren't here with us, three weeks ago, we started out with this premise. Uh, We started out with this premise from a movie called Juno. And if you're unfamiliar with this movie, uh, it's about a teenage uh, young girl who gets pregnant and ends up deciding to give up her baby for adoption. And uh, the couple who's going to adopt her child, uh, they are not the best kind of marriage relationship that's happening. And then as she's been growing up, her parents haven't had a great marriage relationship. And so her world is kind of just caving in at that moment. And she decides uh, to have this conversation with her father. And in a sincere moment, she asks her father, is it possible, is it possible for two people to fall in love and to stay in love for a lifetime? And so that's the question that we've been checking out. And in the first week, we learned to stay in love, we have to become the right person. We should take on the attitude of Christ. And the attitude of Christ was that he came as a servant to love us, even though we might not deserve it. And so what we learned from him and his example is that we are to love one another like Christ loved us. And we are to continue to love each other even though that person might not deserve it. And so the second week, we kind of launched into this new commandment that God had. um, And he gave it to us. Jesus gave this commandment to his disciples and he gave it to us. And in essence, the commandment was to make love a verb. And so if we want to stay in love in our lifelong relationships, we need to make love a verb. And what he meant by that, when we dug into like Ephesians 5, what we learned from there is uh, there's a command that says for husbands and wives uh, to love each other out of respect for Christ. And so what it looked like was we're to say, oh, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you're, you're great. You know, you're the best. Just like I believe that about myself, I want to believe that about you. And so then last week... Uh, Trent invited Mr. and Mrs. Pitcher up here, and they brought a lot of their stuff uh, that was inside of them, and we also learned about guarding our heart, and what we learned is that the reason Mr. Pitcher has his stuff in him isn't because of her, and the reason that she has stuff in her isn't because of him, it's because it's their stuff, it's your stuff, and that's what you bring into an in-love relationship. And from there, what we learn is basically in that in-love relationship, it's real easy to all of a sudden come together and that stuff comes out. And what we learned was basically we think in our in-love relationships that that stuff's there because of the other person. And we think potentially the only solution to get out of that stuff is to move on. And what we learned is if you move on from one relationship to another relationship, you still have that stuff in you. It's still there. And so we have to learn how to deal with our stuff. And the way that you learn to deal with your stuff is through forgiveness. Forgiveness with your Heavenly Father, forgiveness with the one that you love. And basically, the other person is to support uh, the other person as well. So today I've invited back Mr. and Mrs. Pitcher, okay? And uh, Trent said last week that, you know, Mr. Pitcher's kind of bald, so I can actually fix that solution. I can't fix Trent's uh, issue there, but I can fix Mr. Pitcher's issue there uh, with some hair. But did you notice their stuff has kind of gone you know, down a little bit. You know, her stuff is a little bit down. His stuff is a little bit, you know, down this week because they've been kind of like talking to each other this past week. They've been kind of forgiving each other. They've been making love a verb. Um, But basically, they've been working on their stuff this week, okay? And so they're just going to kind of camp out over here. They're going to watch what's going on uh, as we move on today. 
Now, today, we're going to learn about a very, very important decision. It's a decision that everyone who's in an in-love relationship needs to make on a regular basis. Everyone who is in love makes this decision over and over and over again. Early on in our relationships, we made this decision often, and we made it simply, okay? But as we got into that relationship, we often either forgot to make that decision or we stopped making that decision. And when we stopped making that decision, it has the ability to really destroy our marriage or our relationship very, 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 very fast. Um, When Sarah and I first got married, um, I thought I'd never stop making this decision. Early on in our marriage, I thought there's no way that I would ever want to hurt her. But yet, at times, I have. So what is it? What is this decision that we make on a regular basis that potentially could hurt the one that we love? None of us set out at the beginning with the premise or with the purpose to hurt each other. You know, we set out in the beginning because we were in love and we loved them so much. So what happens? What happens? You know, in the beginning, what happens is we come together and it's like, man, I'm with her, she's with him, and it's just great, you know? We take the time to kind of understand each other. For example, maybe he took you out to coffee, you know, and she would just tell you anything and everything, and you love listening to her, and you would ask inquisitive questions to her, and she just loved it, you know? And then all of a sudden, you know, he's running late or something, and she's like, oh, it's no problem. You know, I know he's got that tough job. He's got that cruel boss, you know. It's okay that he's late, you know. Or maybe, you know, he's like, okay, I've got a lot of stuff at work. I'm going to go in early. I'm going to get this project done because I'm going to get home, or I'm going to go see her at dinner, or I'm going to show up out of nowhere and surprise her or something like that you know, and she didn't mind like whatever he showed up in, you know, it was like, oh, he's just kind of cute. It doesn't matter what he's wearing today, you know, he looks great no matter what because he's my guy, you know, he's the one that I love the most or something like that. So what happens, you know, what happens when we stop making the decision to believe the best about that person? You know, what happens with these in-love experiences or these in-love things where we take the time to understand who the person is and take the time to do these things for them? And so what is it when we start making this decision to start to assume the worst about them? And so that's the decision that we are going to check out today. It's a major decision that we all need to know about because if we want to stay in love, we need to make this decision on a regular basis. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the Bible, it specifically sets up this decision that we need to make on a regular basis because it has the power to help us to stay in love and to stay in love for a lifetime. So that's where we're heading today. If you would, we're going to actually put the verses up on the screen, but if you want to turn to, uh, in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, you can. It's found on page 878. We're actually going to use the NIV translation today because we can see this choice that we need to make on a regular basis a little bit better. So we are going to use that and put it up on the screens, but if you want to, you can turn to 878 in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, you've probably heard these words before, and if you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I've heard those words. I didn't know where they came from. Well, they came from Scripture, and most of you probably had them read at your wedding ceremony, and some of you purposely put them in there. Some of you were just like, wow, that sounds kind of cool. Let's go with it. You know, don't know where that comes from, but let's go with those things. You know, a lot of Protestant, a lot of Catholic vows come from these passages in chapter 13, and so I'm going to just read a portion of 1 Corinthians 13. And when you read this, you're going to read it potentially like I used to read it, okay? I just thought it was kind of like a list, and it was like, yeah, 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 that's good, that sounds great, you know, uh, that's good, not sure what that means, you know, I'll try to attain that, that's awesome. But then, in the end of verse 7, Paul makes this unbelievably powerful statement that he wants us all to make on a regular basis, because people who are in love 
make this decision on a regular basis. And so at first, you know, it's like, that's not going to make sense, or, you know, I'm not sure if I really totally agree with that. But yet, this is the decision that he wants us to make on a regular basis. So we're going to back up and start out in verse 4. So with me, we'll put verse 4 up there. Love is patient. And when I read that, I was like, yep, I got that, you know. Love is kind, check mark, okay, that's a good thing, love is kind. It does not envy, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, you know, trying to be like somebody else isn't good, I should be myself, that's okay, makes sense. It does not boast, okay, it's not good for me to be an arrogant husband or, you know, for my wife to be an arrogant, you know, wife or something like that, great, got that. It's not proud, okay, pride can be a problem relationally, you know, yeah, I get that, understand that, so no pride issues there uh, whatsoever. And then, it does not dishonor others, verse 5, it does not dishonor others. Okay, that's a good idea, you know, if I'm going to, you know, be honest in this relationship, I should be honest, you know, maybe I won't say everything, okay, but I should, you know, be honest in this relationship. It is not self-seeking, okay, yeah, you know, I am kind of selfish at times, you know, but yeah, that wouldn't be good. All right, it's not easily angered, ouch, you know, like I can get angry pretty easily, you know, that's something that I should work on. So as you read through this, it's like, you're kind of agreeing with the Apostle Paul who wrote this, and it's like, those are all good things. You know, maybe I should frame those things up uh, at my wedding so it's a good reminder, and those are what I want to put in my vows because those are good things to latch on to. Nobody would disagree with this list. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, that is love. You know, it's those things. It's like, can't argue with that. Um, but then here's kind of another one. End of verse five. It keeps no record of wrongs. Yeah, that's kind of tough. Don't raise your hand, but you know, how easy is it to keep the record of wrongs? You know what I'm talking about. If you're not married, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you had a wife, or not a wife, you had a mother or a father, and even if you didn't have a mother and father and they were separated, you know, she would talk about him this way and he would talk about her this way. And so if you had parents, you know, and you're sitting there at dinner and all of a sudden, they get into an argument, and she says, she pulls out this, you know, mental file cabinet in this argument, and she just goes there, well, in 1992, you did that on to, to me at May 2nd or something like that, you know, in 1994, after Uncle Joe passed away, you know, you did it again, why in the world are you doing it again to me today, you know, we talked about this, expectations, blah, 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 and you're just sitting there going, oh my goodness, mom, like you should be like on Jeopardy or a history teacher. I had no clue. Where is this stuff coming from? And then all of a sudden your father launches into it. You know, all of a sudden he's like, well, back in 1977 when I married you on July 1st, and it's like, whoa, dad, that's the first time you've ever remembered her anniversary, you know? And so where is that coming from, you know? And a couple of weeks ago, Trent talked about forgiveness, and that's just not a good idea to keep that file cabinet there all the time in, our, in love relationships. So then in verse 6, it says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And that just simply means, all right, let's celebrate the wins, okay? Let's rejoice with the truth of what's been good in our marriage. You know, let's not delight in evil. Let's not camp out on the wrongs there. Okay, that's good advice. Let's celebrate the wins. Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Okay. All right, so Paul, thank you very much. That's a great list. I'm going to include that in my wedding. I'm going to keep that focus. I might even post that on my wall or something like that. I might look for that in a store and get it framed or something like that. That's great advice. But then all of a sudden, we hit verse 7, okay? And in this verse, uh, Paul wants to point out this one powerful decision that we need to make on a regular basis. And he doesn't say it in like one statement. Instead, he uses four phrases to make this point. If you take out each of these phrases, it does not make sense. We have to look at it as a whole. Okay, And on the very surface, it looks like it's bad advice. And I'm like, when I first read that a long time ago, I'm kind of like, yeah, Paul, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if that's like good advice. You know, when I read that, um, I'm just not sure. So here's verse 7. It always, and he's talking about love, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, 
always perseveres. Here's this one massive statement made up of four phrases. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Or maybe you've heard it like this in another version. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. You know? And when you read that, you're like, Paul, really? Like, seriously? I'm not sure if I buy into that, especially like the second part, that it always trusts and that it always believes all things. You know, I'm to do that in my marriage relationship. I'm to always trust them. I'm to always believe all things that comes out of their mouth or something like that. You know, um, isn't that kind of blind? You know, doesn't that make me kind of like codependent or something like that, which I know is not like a great term or something? You know, won't we get run over if we do that in our in love relationships? You know, I'm not sure, Paul, if that's like great advice. But hang in there, okay? Because it is great advice. And we're going to unpack that today because it really has the potential. It has the potential to help you to stay in love for a lifetime. And that's what we all desire in our relationships. So let's camp out here for a moment. I'll need a little help to kind of set this up correctly, all right, over here. So remember that passage in your mind. And when we jump into this, We all know this to be true in our in-love relationships, especially in our in-love relationships, okay? And so I'm going to warn you, there's like no elbowing during this segment, okay? There's like no finger shaking, there's no like turning at you, so kind of do that right now, you know, get it out of your system if you need to. There's only like face forward, head nod, so let's practice that, head nods, face forward, okay, good job, awesome, you passed the test. Um, So what we're about to get into, you know this. You know that there are certain expectations in your in-love relationship. And followed up by your expectations in that in-love relationship are behaviors that the other person displays or chooses to do, okay? So over here, we've got our expectations. Oh, upside down. And then over here, We have our behaviors. And this is how this kind of works, all right? So I'll give you some examples. In the middle, there's always a gap, okay? Mentally, there's a gap, and we'll come back to that. But imagine, like right in here, there's always a gap mentally. And here's what happens. He promises to be home at 5 o'clock. He doesn't come home at 5 o'clock. She promises to balance the budget every single month. She doesn't balance the budget every single month. He promises to pick up the kids. He doesn't only not pick them up late. He forgets to pick them up, you know, or something like that. She says that she's not going to talk to her mama anymore about you or her friends or post anything about Facebook or take inappropriate pictures of you or something and say, here's my honey, you know, or something like that. And that's what she does, you know. And all of a sudden, you have these certain promises, you know, but he promised to mow the lawn every week and he doesn't mow the lawn so he's sitting on the couch, you know, with his hand in his pants or something like that, you know. (laughs) So basically... You know, she says she's going to have dinner, you know, on time at five o'clock or whatever it is, and she doesn't have dinner all the time. Or it kind of comes at it like this. You know, before you got married or as you were engaged or something, you had certain expectations in this marriage that he or she didn't know about, okay? And you were like, you know, all of a sudden it comes out. Well, my mama never did that, you know? My mama always did that, and, you know, why are you doing that? Or my papa always did that, you know? Why in the world would you do that, you know? That doesn't make any sense, you know, at all, whatsoever. And so here's what happens. We have the ability to make a choice in this situation. And here's the choice that we make and that we determine. We either believe the best or we assume the worst, okay? In that mental gap, we either believe the best or we assume the worst on a regular basis. And here's what I mean by that, okay? Before, or as they know your expectations, and all of a sudden they do the behavior, before you even talk to them, you either believe the best about the situation or you assume the worst with them, okay? 
And what happens is this becomes an attitude, and that can, can become a huge problem in marriages, okay? So either believe the best, assume the worst, don't look at each other if you're kind of trying to figure out, well, what does he do on a regular basis or what does she do on a regular basis? All you have to do is ask your spouse right after the service. And I know there will be tons of fights, but just ask them. They know whether you believe the best or whether you assume the worst, okay? So the harder part in this is what do you do? What do you put in that gap? Do you assume the worst or do you believe the best? Okay, you know what they do. They know what you do, all right? But what do you do in that situation? Now, here's an example. I'll tee it up for us in this certain situation. All right, here's an example of believe the best, all right? She's running late, you know? There's a huge event that both of you got to get to that night or something like that. For some reason, she is running late. And here's what you do if you choose to put believe the best in that gap, okay? Believe the best is, you know what? Maybe there's something wrong with the car. Maybe she ran into somebody and they're crying, you know, and she's trying to you know, help them because I know she's compassionate, you know? Maybe somebody's stuck on the side of the road and she's trying to help them. Maybe there's a child loss at the grocery store or something like that. That's believing the best, all right? Here's assuming the worst in that situation. All right, I've told her to get a watch. She just needs to wear a watch on a regular basis. You know, what is going on? You know, she's probably talking to her mama. You know, she's always talking to her mama. She knows this is an important event to me, okay? She knows on a regular basis that these types of things are important to me, but yet she doesn't care. You know, she never cares. I care about all the events that she, you know, cares about, but she doesn't care about my events. So that's assuming the worst. All right. Now let me pick on the guys for a second here. Okay. So here's the believe the best in this situation. All right. He's supposed to balance the budget at the end of the month because like taxes are due the very next month or something. We need to get all this tax information together. We need to know where we stand and everything. This month has been a crazy month. We've had to take kids here and there and not in our own kids here and there. You know, we've been going a mile a minute everywhere and in every direction. And on top of that, he got three major projects that aren't in his responsibility at work. They just said they know he can get it done, so they gave it to him, so he's been working long hours this month. You know what? That's probably why he hasn't gotten the budget done yet, okay? Here's assuming the worst in this situation, okay? He's just no good with money, you know? His data wasn't good, his grandpa wasn't good, you know? And when he gets home, I'm just gonna give it to him and I'm gonna shake my neck at him and just tell him <laughs> where he can put that budget, you know? That's what happens in assuming the worst about each other. And I don't know, that kinda hurt a little bit, but anyways. Um, <clears throat> that's what we do in our in-love relationships on a regular basis. And when we do that, here's what happens. This is the thing that it's kind of hard to see. We can look at their behavior and we can make a judgment call about his behavior or about her behavior. And we can go to this gap and we can either assume the best uh, or assume the worst or believe the best before they even have an opportunity to explain what happens. And that becomes potentially an attitude that we get stuck with. But here's something that we don't see on a regular basis that's harder to see. That stuff that's in us amplifies the situation, you know, doesn't it? It's not that big of a deal that she's late. Is it really? Is it really worth all that emotional fuss over that? Is it really that bad that he hasn't balanced the budget? Is it really worth killing our in-love relationships over those types of things? And here's what happens. It's because our stuff, it's our stuff. What is it? What happened to you in the past? Is it there were unmet expectations in your past? Did your father blow it? Did your mother blow it? And therefore you think everybody's just gonna fail you? Is it an acceptance issue? Is it somebody who you never felt loved and so all of a sudden when he does that or she does that, you think that they don't love you? What is it? And it complicates the situation. And it takes something that's as small as being home on time or something that's as small as balancing the budget and it blows it up when you collide with the other person and you go here. 
You assume the worst. You don't give them a chance to let them know what's going on in the relationship at all. And so here's kind of the big question for us. Where do you go? Do you believe the best on a regular basis or do you assume the worst? Do you believe the best or do you assume the worst in these situations? And here's what happens. People who are in love for a lifetime, they go here. They believe the best. And in each of their situations, each of their expectations and their behaviors, they go here. They learn to do this. This doesn't happen easily. They make it a choice on a regular basis to go here on a regular basis to pretty much believe the best. Now, some of you are, you know, kind of camped out and saying, you know, crossing your arms or something like that, and, well, you just don't know my situation, okay? Assuming the worst. What's in here? You know, you got, what's the stuff? What is it? Yeah, maybe you're in a vicious cycle, and there are tons of cycles, and we could bring up tons of people, and we could hear you know, horrible stories. And I'm not talking about like, you know, she's addicted to something or, you know, he's having an affair or something like that. We're not going there, okay? Trent went there a couple weeks ago and he talked about those unbelievable, crazy junk that can happen in our relationships. What I'm talking about is our everyday decisions and our everyday choices, okay? And so just hang in there with me because I want to shed some light on this a little bit further, okay? So keep this in mind, expectations, behaviors, what's putting in the gap, do we believe the best? Now, it's really cool. There's this book out there that's not a marriage book. It's actually a leadership book, and it's a book on leadership and management principles. And in the book, it's uh, called, uh, I want to get this right, Marcus Buckingham's book, The One Thing You Need to Know, Okay? And basically, he says in life, you know, whether you're a fireman or a school teacher or whatever it is, wherever area of life you're working in, there's one thing that you should do to be very successful in that job, and you need to discover what's that one thing to be successful in that job. And the way he kind of sets up the book is he gives tons of different examples of this principle. And one of the examples he gives is a marriage study. And it's a really cool study. And this is what happens in this study as he describes it. He says, all right, all these researchers got together from tons of different universities and they've been trying to figure out why do marriages fail and everything. And as they're studying this concept, they say the reason these marriages fail on a regular basis is because of this. The people just don't know each other, you know? They just haven't taken the time to really get to know each other. So that's why they think that these marriages fail on a regular basis. So they want to set out and say, well, what do happily married people do in their relationships? So they got tons of couples who you know, took these surveys who are happily married. Most of them have been married over 10 years and even more than that. And they brought them in and they were going to do their little survey to find out their research and everything. And here's the assumption that they thought was going to be true when they interviewed these couples, okay? And it's really interesting. It's really cool. What happened was they thought when they interview these couples that they're going to come in and the reason that they're having successful marriages is because they know each other so well. They know his strengths and his weaknesses and her strengths and her weaknesses. And in the marriage relationship, they've chosen to focus only on the strengths. They're not focusing on the weaknesses. And whenever he or she does something from their weakness, they're like, oh, way to go, awesome, that's unbelievable, that's unexpected, and it adds to their marriage relationship. That's not what they found, okay? It was very shocking what they found instead. Here's what they found instead. They brought him in, and he answered all these questions about himself, okay? They brought her in, and she answered questions all about him, Okay, so she rated him as well. And what happened was he would rate himself like kind of at these various levels. When she came in and ranked him on the same categories, she ranked him much, much higher and vice versa. When they brought her and she ranked herself in these categories, it was kind of, you know, at this level. When they brought him in and she, he ranked her, he would rank her way above in all those categories, 
And they were kind of perplexed. And couple after couple and after couple after couple of these happily married couples did that on a regular basis. And so their conclusion is, wow, love must really be blind. You know, that's crazy. (laughs) You know, what is going on in all of these relationships? And here's kind of three big takeaways from that marriage uh, results here. And I want to share them with you. Here's what surprised them. Here's kind of some of their conclusions from that. Uh, the first statement that I want to put up on the screen is a spouse's positive illusion. They, they use the word illusion, you know? And these people have been married for like, you know, tons and tons of years. Um, of love created an upward spiral of love. And so before you think this is kind of weird, we all did this. When we first got married or we fell in love, you know, we did this. All of a sudden, we held them up on this pedestal, and one of our friends over here said, you know, really? He's not that great, you know? Are you sure about him, you know? And then we would put her up on a pedestal, and our friends would be like, really? You know, yeah, that, you know. And you got that all the time. Or in our generous explanations, all of a sudden, it was like, you know, it's all right that he's late. It's all right that she did that. That's okay. I love him and all those types of things. So that's what in love people do on a regular basis. They believe the best about each other. And it doesn't stop. It continues and continues and continues. And that's what these researchers found out. So here's another finding we'll put it up, that they found a husband or wife who assumes their spouse possesses strengths, even though he or she doesn't think he or she possesses those strengths, will have a strong marriage. You couldn't refute the evidence, okay? They had an unbelievable marriage. They were so in love, and they treated each other so good. And these uh, researchers even followed up and said, well, this can't be true. And they did even more. They followed these couples later on and later on. And as the years progressed with these couples, they continued to even score higher and higher with each other. And it was just amazing. And it was actually beautiful. And it was actually a cool thing to see happen. And then in this uh, final statement, here's their advice that they would give to all of us. They said, find the most generous explanation I love that word. Find the most generous explanation. That's what we're putting in the gap. Find the most generous explanation. Believe the best about them, okay, for each other's behavior and believe it. Isn't that something? They're like, find the most generous explanation about each other's behaviors and believe it. And here's some of the funny things that they said. They said, for example, here's what you should do instead of going negative. She's not impatient. She's intense. Okay? All right? Here's for him. He's not insensitive. He's just focused. Okay? That's what in love people do. That's what they put in this gap on a regular basis. They believe the best about that person mentally. They don't go there negatively until proven otherwise, okay? It's not blind love. It's the opportunity to find out what is going on. But until we go there, we're going to believe the best about each other because that's why we fell in love with one another. We believe that they were the best, that she was the best, and we wanted to be in love with them forever, okay? So with that in mind, with this survey or this uh, you know, examination, with this illustration over here, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Now, I know some of you, you're in a bad spot, okay? I know some of you are holding on, you know, and it's the last string in your relationship, and you've been like, yeah, but Tim, you don't know my relationship. You know, I'm just kind of sticking in here. You know, I I don't believe in divorce or something like that. Or maybe I'm sticking in here because of the kids. You know, that sounds all great. Those are kind of cool little charts you brought out. But you know what? That's not going to do it for me. Well, here's what will do it for you, okay? Make this decision on a regular basis. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 7, 
it, love, always protects. It always protects the integrity of the relationship. In the beginning, we all believed the best about the relationship. We chose to be in that relationship. We weren't forced into that relationship. We chose to be in that relationship because we were in love with that person. Love always, always protects. It always trusts. It always gives generous explanation. It doesn't go negative. It doesn't go negative. You didn't go negative in the beginning. Make the decision, because it's your decision, to give generous explanations on a regular basis. Love always, always hopes. You know what? Until proven elsewise, I'm always going to hope the best for our relationship. I'm always going to put hope in the other person because that's what drew us together. This relationship is worth it. That is the type of commitment that I made to him that, or she made to me. And so it's worth it. I'm always going to be hopeful. It always perseveres. It always perseveres. There's going to be tough times. Not, you know, no one's joking. It's going to be tough. You know, there's going to be tough times that could just knock the feet right from under you in your relationships. But because you've built your relationship on protection, you've built your relationship on trust, you are always hopeful, you're always believing the best. It will prepare you for those seasons when you understand in those moments that love is a whole lot deeper than you ever thought elsewise. It always perseveres. It always chooses to make the right choice and to make the right decision in those situations, you know? So where do we go from that, you know? Some of us, you know, it's like, okay, starting to see that. But here's what's been going on. You are in a vicious cycle, you know? Maybe it's just been going on, and he does that, and she does that, and the only positives you've been feeling in the relationship is keeping score, you know? Like, when he does that, great, you know, here's another reason. You know, when she does that, great, here's another reason against her. How's that going for you? Is that working? Are you not hurting the person that you never wanted to hurt from the beginning of your relationships? We're in this vicious cycle. How do you get out of this vicious cycle? Some of you are like, believe the best. Here's what happens when you believe the best. When you believe the best in the situation about the other person, you begin to create margin in your relationship. And yeah, maybe they've like done 50 things against you or something like that. And yeah, they've given the same explanation or she's done the same thing to you. But here's what happens. You create margin in the relationship, all right? Because if you don't have margin in your relationship, here's what happens. You say, perform, perform. Come here, boy. You know, jump this high, jump this high, jump this high. Jump this high because if you don't jump this high, you're not meeting my expectations. You're not behaving correctly. And none of us signed up for a performance relationship. We signed up for an in-love relationship that we hope that we could stay in love for a lifetime. It's not about performance. Nobody wants to be in a performance relationship. And when you choose to believe the best, when you go there on a regular basis, you create margin in that relationship. And all of a sudden, you can approach that other person and you can say, you know what, honey, I, I know you've been working a lot, you know, and, um, and I appreciate that you've been working so much. You know, just help me to understand what's going on um, at work. How can I help you? That's believing the best. Assuming the worst is, you just don't care about me, you know? You would be home if you cared about me. What's going on in his world? What's going on in her world? How do you create that margin? And if you came at it in that way, the other person would be like, I didn't realize. What's going on? Why are you so concerned? Well, you know what? might be some of my stuff, but when you do that, you know, I'm not sure that you're in love with me. What? I'm in love with you. I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry you feel that way. You know what? I'm going to start going to work a little earlier because I love you. You're my in-love relationship, and I want to do the best that I can. It's not about you. It's not about you. I love you, and I didn't know that that was causing an issue. So when you do that, when you believe the best about each other, you create margin, and the other person says, man, that's attractive. That's what we did at the beginning. We gave generous explanations at the beginning of our relationships for each other. And that's what attracted us together. And that's when we're able to speak some truths or some, I'm not sure what's going on here, you know? Instead of assuming the worst, what's going on? Let's talk about it. I'm going to put myself out there and let's talk about this relationship. You know, where do we go? Do we, do you believe the best in the situation? Do you assume the worst? You know, which direction do you go? Here's where I go. I tend to go towards assuming the worst. It's just some of my junk that I've had to deal with in my marriage relationship to Sarah, you know? And I've worked on it, and I'm still working on it, and it's just some stuff that just needs to be worked on, okay? Instead, I've learned to give generous explanations, okay? Is it hard? Yeah, you know? Does it get easier? Yes, because I don't want to hurt her. She's my in-love relationship. Does Sarah do it perfect? No, Sarah doesn't do it perfect, you know? She's had to work on generous explanations as well. But here's the cool thing. As we begin to work on this thing, man, our love gets stronger, you know? Is it perfect? No, you know? But is it deeper than we've ever experienced before? Yeah. Does it help us to stick? Does it help us to be in love for a lifetime? You bet. What's the other way? The other way is assuming the worst. We know where that gets us, you know? So here's what we can do. We need to do some self-evaluation, okay? And when you do that self-evaluation, as I've been talking today, Maybe some things have come to your mind where you assume the worst on a regular basis and some specifics have popped up. And here's what we need to do with those specifics. We need to go to God and we need to say, God, will you forgive me? Man, I didn't realize I was assuming the worst about them. And I've, been, I've gone here, I've gone here, I've gone here, and I've even went there. And so God, would you forgive me? And here's something else that I think all of us should do. Today, I don't think you should delay on this. You know, give each other some time today. Go and reflect on that. Go ask God for forgiveness. Then come back to each other. And you say, you know what, babe? I've messed up. I've been assuming some pretty dumb things in our relationship. Here's how I've been assuming the worst. Here's how I've been assuming the worst. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Now, my mama taught me a long time ago this principle, okay? When you ask for forgiveness, you need to mean it with all your heart. But here's the other side of the coin. The person who is receiving this request needs to almost be in it more than the other person. And you need to say with all of your heart, with all of your focus, with all of your attention, I forgive you you. Don't say it half-heartedly. And in that moment, you release that debt that could never be paid off. It's the same debt that we could never pay off with God. And that's why his love is so amazing. Because he forgives us while we are yet sinners when we ask him to forgive us. So in that moment, when they sincerely ask you for forgiveness, you should have such a weight on your shoulders, if not more, to say, I forgive you. And in that moment, you are starting to go in a new direction. You have an opportunity each day to start over. That is the cool thing about God. He is all about new starts, and new beginnings. When we look around this earth, it's his new beginnings and new starts speak out loudly. 
Every year, there is a new year. Every season, there is a new season. Every day, there is a new day to start over, to start afresh. And he showed that by dying on the cross so that we could start new with him. And he gave us new hearts so that we could start making decisions that reflect a little bit more of who he is, which is believing the best about us. So wouldn't you want to believe the best about your spouse, about your in-love relationship? Because God is so in love with you, and he is so patient with us and our stuff. So can't we be patient as well? Because he's shown us so much love, why don't I show her the same love that he's shown to me? in that situation. And here's what happens. If we do that, okay, we will have great marriages. And we won't have great marriages because we're like better than anybody else or something like that. Our culture is dying to ask this question, to have this question answered. Is it possible for two people to fall in love and to stay in love for a lifetime? And here's our response. Our response is simply, you know what? I have messed up. I've messed up a bunch, you know, in my marriage relationship. But I've chosen to go here, and with God's help, I choose to go here all the time. And yeah, I'm not perfect, but as my spouse and I make this choice, our marriage gets stronger. Our in-love relationship gets stronger. And that's the same thing that he desires for you, he desires for me, and he desires for all marriages to be able to do that. And if we did that, you know what the culture would say? Why are you guys so happy? What is it that you're doing in your in-love relationships? Because we are in a world that is drowning with divorce. We are in a world that they say, just move on and move on. Don't deal with your stuff. Figure out your stuff in another relationship. It doesn't work. Go with the first person you chose. It's a lot easier and it's a lot less uh, expensive, as Trent said. You know, fall back in love with the person that you have fallen out of love with and make a choice on a regular basis to do that. I hope, I hope you fall in love deeply and I hope you stay in love forever. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray here in a moment. And um, during that prayer, if some stuff has kind of surfaced, and I'm going to invite the band on up, um, they're going to sing one last song for us. And basically, if some things have popped into your mind that you know you need to deal with, deal with it during this prayer. Ask God, God, start right now. I am so sorry for all this stuff and how I've been assuming the worst against the one I love. And so would you forgive me? And would you forgive me for breaking those promises or doing all those types of things? And then later on, have that conversation with your spouse. And here's what will happen. God will forgive you. You know, the other person, they'll forgive you. Come on, seriously. We all wanted to be in love. We all overlooked other issues in life. But now we're actually trying to resolve our issues. Who wouldn't want to resolve those issues with you? You know, that's our in-love relationships. So we're going to pray, and if you want to ask for forgiveness from God, you do that. You start today, start in that prayer. And then we're going to sing a song, and we're going to stand up together, and we're going to sing and thank God for what he does, that he gives us fresh starts and new beginnings on a regular basis, that we can make new decisions today, because love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. He never gives up on you, never never gives up on you. So don't give up on him and don't give up on your spouse. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for what we could never do in and of ourselves. God, we thank you for what you've created, which is love. And God, we just thank you for the ability to make this decision each day that impacts the lives that are around us. God, Some of us, we got a lot of stuff that's turned into attitudes. And today we're asking you for forgiveness for that. And we don't know how to start making decisions that are going to be good. But God, we ask you that you would teach us, that you would show us how to do that on a regular basis. We need your help. And God, we 
we'll want to ask our spouse for forgiveness. And so God, there's some business that we might need to do there as well. And so today, God, we are giving you our hearts, we are giving you our lives, we are giving you our in-love relationships because they are so important as your in-love relationship with us is so important. And so we just thank you for today. We thank you for what you're going to do tomorrow. Today is a day of new starts and fresh beginnings. And so, Father, we just love you and we thank you that you never, never give up on us. And so we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. We are glad that you are here this morning. Thank you for joining us this morning at Epic. One of the ways that we can continue on in worship is through giving. And we talk a lot about giving here at Epic because it's something that's near to the heart of God and a way we can express back our gratitude. And so we can give a couple ways at the giving boxes here in this room and in the lobby and online at the website at www.theepicchurch.com. One of our values here at Epic is introducing people to Jesus because Jesus' heart is to restore all people to himself. And so one of the ways that we do that is through our go trips. We're sending two teams this summer to Guatemala and to Costa Rica to share the love of Jesus with communities, with partner churches there. And so if you're not going, we can still partner with those people who are going and still be a part through praying and supporting them and through supporting them financially as well. And you can give um, to support them financially directly um, if you would want to give to a specific team or an individual, you can give once again online or through a check in our giving boxes. And make sure you just designate that that is for Go Guatemala, Go Costa Rica, and that team number's name um, on that space as well. Or you can give through supporting some of the skills and tasks that they want to do um, to raise money for their trip. And some of the team members are cleaning houses, they're tutoring, power washing driveways. So if you would like that done for you, I think getting your house clean, I know that would would be great for me. If you'd like that done, um, you can utilize their skill and help support them as well. So there's a complete list of all, everything that's being offered online um, under the Involve tab. So check that out. Also, next week is Mom's Day. It's Mother's Day. So hit, hit, remember to celebrate your mom. But it's also a special day here at Epic where we're going to celebrate children and have a child dedication. So if you have a young child and would like to say before um, everyone here that I want to raise that child to follow Jesus and know him in the ways of the Lord, and then we encourage you to dedicate that child next week. And so if you'd like more information about what that means and how to sign up, once again, go to our website and you can do that there. Also, yesterday, this weekend, was an amazing, amazing weekend. Um, it was our first ever marriage event here, and it was so powerful. Um, God used that, used that time to speak to so many of us. It was great for Tim and I, just strengthening and sharpening our marriage. And so um, if you are participate in that and help volunteer and make that happen, thank you. It was so worth it, and it was great. And if you weren't able to um, join us for that, we are continuing on in the fourth part of our marriage series today on staying in love. So we have the opportunity to continue to grow in our staying in, lo in, our in love relationships today as well. So I want you to enjoy this clip, this video clip from a marriage expert you may know. <laughs> 